Anne and I have gotten drunk. Th- I've gotten drunk three times. I don't know about her. And this was the last time was the only time we've ever gotten drunk together at the same time. It was like, you know, I explained it to her beforehand. It's like, if we get drunk right now together, it'll be like Massa and Mune. Oh, and then it'll be like afterwards when they fuse together and it plays the big boss scene for the first time. Do you actually seriously relate real life events to fucking video games, you fucking nerd? <laughs> Did you seriously just parallel your life experience <laughs> with Chrono Trigger, you fucking nerd? Who does that? <laughs> Dorks. Time of year, game of the year, 2015, socks cast all up in your grill. I am your host, Polly, 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 and to my immediate virtual right, he smells exactly like you think he would, it's... Red, 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 I thought, I thought John was the trunk one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> how's it going, Rat? It's going good. Are you ready for some fucking lists? Fucking ready. Just out, out, just all out on the town, right? Just yeah. boom. Been waiting for this all year. This yeah. is literally just all we do the podcast for so that we yeah, have an excuse to do this. Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it all comes down to this, and then it's just like, that's it. Like, once this, once this is over... We have no purpose for the rest of the year. We go into hibernation and we don't do anything. I literally just start plotting out my next list just from yeah, yeah. Words. It's like all right, January first. Let's like, do this. What games do I already love that I haven't played yet? All right, let's start. Start out. All right, here's a draft of the list, and then you just got to fill it in and be like, all right, let's play these games, and then as we play them, we shift them around based on how much we actually like them. It's like people think we're joking, but this is exactly what he does. He has a giant list of games, uh, favorite games of all time, parentheses, that I haven't played yet. <laughs> you know, and that, that list is not completely solid, because sometimes he plays those games like Final Fantasy VIII, and whoa! Oh. Hey, hey, Final Fantasy VIII wasn't on that list. Final favorite Fantasy Tactics you, is on that list. You. Okay, Tactics is pretty There cool. you go, all right? And you've you've heard him blabbering away already. To my immediate virtual left, he actually doesn't know how algebra works. It's John 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 Fire John 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 Fire thing like what like x x plus y times x plus y is John. We've been squared. You don't understand how algebra works. X squared plus x y plus x shit. Oh my god. Okay, let's do let's let's go to some just simple numbers. I you know what you know what I understand? What do you understand? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> do well, you? It's it's good that you mentioned that. Um because, you know, this is a game of the year podcast where we go over our top ten games of the year. This is day one. We will be going through entries ten through six. Wait, 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 wait. So not five, four, three, two, one? No. We stop at six? Yep. And then we don't do any other ones after that. That's, until tomorrow. 
That's 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 how uh, that's how the podcast works, John. So ten nine eight seven six. Okay. That's how this is an algebra. You understand this? Yes. I was just double checking. You know, I wanted to make sure. Okay. Um, and hey, along with our lists, we've also got a lot of guest lists. A lot. A lot. Guest lists. A lot of you lovely little fuckers out there sent us some guest lists, and we're gonna be reading some of those uh, in between our. Uh, choices as well and i think i'll go ahead and get us started off on a guest list what do you say what do you say we get this thing started off right already Jeez. yeah we're just gonna go we got all right just word go do this i'm ready all right our first list is from our lovely ashley she was on the podcast last time she was and she oh my god she farted a lot (laughs) she really stank up the joint so she's already part of the extended socks cast universe right yeah i just haven't added her to the profile page yet (laughs) I'll make the wiki. I'll make up the wiki. The w- yeah, get the wiki updated. The right. Soxcast Cinematic Universe. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get into those weirdo side stories though. Those those can get strange. Soxcast Gaiden. Especially the ones where Vor is involved. You don't want to get it anywhere near those. Mm. Oh, those are John's favorites. Uh, uh, Peaches Peaches wrote those. Um, but anyway, Ashley's <laughs> number four is Fantasy Star Nova. Her number three is Fatal Frame, Maiden of Black Water. Her number two is Bloodborne. And her game of the year is Xenoblade Chronicles X. Uh, she didn't write anything about those games. She just uh, listed them for us. Wow. Okay, that's it. That is okay. You're allowed to do that's that. Bad. Hey, John, why don't you read us another guest list? What do you got? I'm going to read another guest list right now. It's by Skibo. Our good okay? friend Skibo. All right. Okay. So this starts off with a number five that contains a bunch of games all in one. We're allowed to do that. Yes. It's, it's true. All right. Number five is just the clicker genre. Um, specifically, adventure, capi- adventure capitalist, but they are all trash and the same thing, and I keep playing them. And he didn't mention poly clicker. Oh, it, But it my says God. clickers right there. Yeah. All right, so poly clicker gets its first entry. Okay. We'll go ahead and give that one to poly yeah. clicker. All right. Number four, Bloodborne, successor to the Souls series. Number three, Fallout 4, the successor to the Fallout 3. Number two, Rocket League. Number one, Nuclear Throne. Mm. Nuclear Throne is so fucking good. I should check that out. That's by the who people? Vlambeer. Vlambeer. I really like ridiculous fishing. Gotta have that Vlambeer screen shake. That game <laughs> has all of it. Mmm. So yes. that's that's a couple of guest lists to get us started and on our way. And now it's time to get down to brass tacks, the lists oh that matter the most. <laughs> because they have ten games. Yeah, these lists have ten games. four. So uh, let's see. Rhett, I right. think you got a number ten, raring and ready to go. So I have ten games. I'm not, I'm not pulling a John here. Okay. But, like, when you do a list... The tenth place, I always feel, is the hardest one. Absolutely. Because it's like, I got nine games that I'm solid about, and then like five that are vying for number ten. And you kind of, mm-hmm. you, you play with it, you cut them, and you go, like, which one makes you wince the most to cut, have it cut? Mm-hmm. And I eventually decided my number ten was Space Channel 5 Part 2. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice! That game is so goddamn anime. It's so anime, and it's so ridiculous in it's, every conceivable yeah. way. I love it. It has this 
the sincerity to it that it's taking itself seriously despite how dumb it is. Yeah, it just the Sega all in. Yeah, like you're rescuing Michael Jackson, and then there's like Battle of the Bands, and you're saving the president. And then what really sold this game for me was the ending, which is uh, at the time I didn't realize it because that game didn't exist yet. But it's very similar to another game's true pacifist ending (laughs) where your character is defeated and oh no. And then you start clapping to the music and everybody joins all your friends join in. And then you're 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 floating in outer space singing about love, trying to say defeat the bad guy. And it's so beautiful. (laughs) So it touched you. Yeah. I think this is going to be my number 10 of 2016. <laughs> <laughs> it's Like it's I said, he's already getting started. <laughs> so that's that's my number 10. That's, that's your really good number one. 10. It's really good. It's really good. Uh, uh, like, yeah, and I probably should. I don't have to mention that, yeah, some of the games on our list might not even be from this year because that's how oh. we roll. So Definitely. just saying, just saying. Uh, my number 10. I'm going to go second this year. Uh, my number 10 is Hotline Miami 2, wrong number. Uh, just like Ooh. Space Channel 5, I kind of like how this game went full on in its stupidity and just embraced it. <laughs> and just, you know, it, 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 I've mentioned it a lot throughout the year that this game is big and dumb in all the right ways. And it's still more Hotline Miami. And that's still great. Like, it's still a great thing to play. There's still just this great visceral impact from chaining together like 15 or 16 kills. Uh, just non-stop, and uh, even though the level design can be a little eh at times, I still think that that game is super-duper fun. Um, I like the um, uh, the way the various characters control, even if like it takes away some of the versatility that Masks offered. I kind of like how like characters feel unique now, like the brother and sister that use the chainsaw and the pistol. It's just like, that's really a really cool setup. And uh, their uh, level editor just went into beta as well, so I'm actually oh, looking really forward to getting into that and maybe trying my hand at some Hotline Miami uh, level editing and publishing and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, Hotline Miami 2, it's... Um, it, it, it might not have the same impact as the first game did, but it's still more Hotline Miami, and to me, that's a really great thing. So it fully embraces its stupidity, and I love it. So that's that's my number 10. John! So, how's that soundtrack, though? The soundtrack is so good! <laughs> it is right up there. Like, if we're talking soundtrack of the year, which I haven't really even thought about, it's pretty damn high it's up there. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's a damn good soundtrack. Like even if like you're going to be on some of those stages retrying them for 20 and 30 minutes at a time, like the music's still so good. You just don't care. So that's number 10. John, what's your number 10? Okay, my number 10 is the Zero Escape series. Mm. Ooh. Here here. Just, I'm just starting it off rolling here. This ga- these games have really resonated with me in the last couple months. I've had a ton of fun with 999, and I had a ton of fun with VLR. Um, I think those are just hella good virtual visual novels and just kind of puzzle games. I feel like the Zero Escape games are sort of like puzzle games. They they kind of just point, tear down, point out exactly. Oh my god, they just kind of, it's kind of overwhelming. We just thinking about this um, because the stories are just so constructed as puzzles, just mm-hmm. on this fundamental level. And the puzzles themselves are just ingrained in this really deep way. Yeah. Um, and it all, and in both games, it all comes together in a really unique and cool way. And I really love how they um, play with the structure. And you've got a really cool lead into the third game. 
Yeah, I'm really excited. That's and it, coming out next year. That, I think that I think that um, VLR earned its uh, cliffhanger ending as well. Uh, a lot of people were kind of bummed that it ended on a cliffhanger, but I think that game earned it. I think it is probably the best way to handle that possible. I don't know if I would have preferred it to be more of a complete story, and part of that indecision, indecision is kind of why it's up at number 10, mm. but it really does go all the way with it, and the fact that there is going to be a Zero Escape 3 makes me feel a, lot, a whole lot better about it. Gives you happy in your pants? I'm really excited. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the setting stuff is now established, so they've just got to really go all out if they want to kind of um, make it blow our minds in the same way. Yeah, I mean, they, like at the end of VLR, they basically give you like the entire synopsis of what we expect Zero Escape 3 to be. Mm-hmm. Which is so strange. And that's really cool. You know, it's like that's a pretty big challenge to still make something really interesting, even though you've got a pretty good idea of its perceived outcome. Exactly. Cool. That's your number 10? Yep, that's my number 10. All 999 right. VLR. All right. Uh, I hear that Rhett has got a big old guest list for us. What you got? Uh, so the first two lists I put at the start because they were super short. Mm-hmm. This one's not super short. He wrote a lot. Okay. So this one comes in from someone I didn't recognize. The email was Strife Leo. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the one list from somebody who's not a kind of, you know, inner circle member. Hello, Strife Leo. We love you. So... Number four, El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron. Hmm. Have you ever wondered what a Shin Megami Tensei game would look like as an action game? Look no further. The combination of incredibly stylized graphics, religious tones, unreliable narrator, and sheer weirdness, seriously, go watch some gameplay footage on YouTube, makes El Shaddai an interesting journey from beginning to end. The gameplay might appear shallow at first, but it's deceptively deep the more you progress. But what really sold me on El Shaddai was the sense of dread, that fear of the unknown, that you might be poking too close to God's secrets for your own good, that I usually only want to get when playing a Mega Ten game. I mean, you save the game by talking to Lucifer, who reports to God on your progress using a cell phone. I cannot help but love everything about this game. I got a copy of that for ten bucks. I should get that. I have a PS3 now. Yeah, Anna, uh... bought, Anna bought me that game as a gift three years ago, and I still haven't oh. played it. <laughs> we need... you're, you're the worst we need... husband. We need to raid your house and yeah, take some of the games that you're not playing. I think me and Rhett are going to be setting up a little uh, a heist sometime soon. Number three, Axiom Verge. Mm-hmm. Half an hour in, I thought that Axiom Verge was a pretty decent Metroid clone. A couple hours later, I was thinking to myself that this game might be just as good as Super Metroid while doing its own thing. Mm-hmm. By the end, I was surprised that even the story that even the story is actually pretty good. The ending is really awesome. Thanks, thanks to Polly for talking about it on the Soxcast. Otherwise, I would have passed on this absolute gem of a game. Hey, awesome. Number two, Papers, Please. The sad thing about Papers, Please is that it's impossible to describe it without sounding like an incredibly dull experience. <laughs> you are a Border Patrol guard in make-believe Soviet Russia, and you are supposed to follow the government rules when approving passports of immigrants. You also have to earn enough money each day to keep your family warm and well-fed. Woohoo, sign me out. I already have a day job. But, <laughs> but, but it's brilliant. It's fun. The UI is perfect. Every other game, every other day, the game changes the rules, and you feel like a detective looking for false information or interrogating travelers. You see really interesting stories folding out each day, and it's your choice to engage with them. 
One day you might help a young couple reunite. The other you you survive a terrorist attack. I simply couldn't stop playing until I watched every ending. I I think that that game is one of those um, like. Yeah, it's supposed to not be fun kind of games. Like, it's supposed to be pushing that idea of mundane and gamifying yeah. the mundane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I definitely have had that problem myself where it's like, I know what this game is. People say it's good, but it looks so dull. I can't, I can't play it because it would fuck with my OCD too much. Yeah. yeah. And number one, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. And he says, my favorite game from 2015 is also the only game from 2015, which isn't correct because actually Verge is from this year. Now, okay, as an aside, this was the first podcast, the, the first top 10, not top 10, but first user list we got. Yeah. And I thought it would be funny if I just read every single one as if they put Polyclicker <laughs> as their number one. <laughs> so I tried it out with this one and it works really well, but I'm not going to do this for any others. Okay. So I'm just going to say he actually voted for Witcher 3, but let's read it in a different way. Okay. <laughs> I usually don't like Western RPGs, but Polyclicker just does everything right. Unlike so many modern modern open world games that boil down to clearing every icon on the map, Polyclicker excels in exploration and quest design. Every side quest in Polyclicker is like a short story in itself, and more often than not, gets the same kind of polish you might expect from the main quest. Almost every other... Almost every kill the monster quest that would be a repetitive grind in another game has an interesting <laughs> twist. Plus, it's the most goddamn beautiful game I've ever seen in my mind. It really is. <laughs> really, though. So that's Strife Leo's list. A fantastic list. Um, Re- totally really glad to see Polyclicker. Glad to see Axiom Verge and Polyclicker getting some love there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, Rhett. Oh, we're back to me. Weird. Kick it off. Give us a number nine. So, Space Channel 5 was the game that I couldn't cut in the end. Mm-hmm. This next game is the one game that was like, well, I'm all, it has to be on the list no matter what. And that game is Yakuza 4. Mm. Surprising. Surprising pick. Cool. It was definitely, like, as games become, like, so cheap these days, like, the last few years I've really found myself, like, having no patience for a game that doesn't grab me right away. Mm-hmm. And Yakuza 4 was the one where it's like, oh my god, Chapter 1 is so fucking boring. And then, But I gave this game a chance, and it fucking paid off. Because once you reach like the second chapter, like it gets so good, and I was pretty much gripped from middle to end. <laughs> and you like looking at the boobies. It, oh, the booby stuff is creepy. <laughs> like the fucking ping pong. <laughs> where you slow down time and like zoom in. <laughs> Oh my god, this story gets so goddamn ridiculous at the end, though. I, I mean, it's weird, because we've talked about all these games on the podcast. But well, yeah, it gets... Your interview. It, yeah. It gets so anime, and like just having really paid attention to the story, and like knowing who these characters are, like their affiliations and stuff, so like when the double-crosses start happening, and they happen really fast at the end, like... There's like three or four double crosses in the last couple of hours. And you're just like, what? It's, it's so ridiculous. That's so, awesome. And the fighting, the fighting system is like really good when it lets you do it. Yeah, yeah. I remember playing a lot of Yakuza Three. Um, yeah. It's just like the combat in those games is like once it kind of opens up, it starts mm-hmm. feeling really, really cool. Yeah, I'm really ex- happy that Yakuza Five finally came out in English here. Cool. You gonna give it a go soon? I don't know about soon, but 
Eventually, probably. Mm, cool. I, I watched that Johnny Bob quick look, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel that urge to go back now. Ready to go back to Tokyo and do yeah. your thing. <clears throat> cool. That's so number probably, nine. That's number nine. Is. All right, my number nine. Uh, I'm continuing down the same kind of route that I chose with uh, Hotline Miami, too, and games that just feel really good to play. And then, like, you know, it's just like the moment you play them, you feel this crunch to them that it's just, it's just, like, it's undeniably awesome. Downwell takes my number nine. Oh, wow. Um, I played this game not too long ago, and since then, I have played enough of this game to know that it's just like, it's just like, it is perfect and amazing and fantastic. And I love every bit of it. Um, and it's just the whole idea of continuing to go down and down and down. It's really just like, like, I, I don't know how else you can describe it, you know? It's just kind of that same visceral experience that you get from Hotline Miami or a Contra game or something. It's just quick, dirty fun. You pick it up, and you just go. And, and that, is, that is, you know, like, Downwell is like a three-fucking-dollar game. You have no reason to not be playing it. And sometimes it's on sale for $2. And sometimes it's on sale for $2, absolutely. And you should be playing that game. And it's just got this amazing climax that... It's fucking crazy. So yeah, Downwell easily slides into my game of the year list, like right at the finish line. So what did it push off? I don't think it pushed off anything actually. Oh. It just kind of like oh, Lu- very lucky. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of got in there and was just like you know, like from the first stream when we played it, I was just like, oh, this game is me. This game is totally me. <laughs> cool. So yeah, that's down well. John Thire, I hear you want to expand my mind with a number nine. Okay, I picked two games because they represented just me kind of continuing to develop a relationship with a designer's work that I really, really like. Hmm. Um, I played Project N33 <laughs> and Polyclicker. Those are really good games. They I are. I think. of this. Red, yeah. you like these so. games as well? Have you played them? I made them. Oh, shit. No. What? So you're, like, trying to deepen your relationship with Rhett by playing those games? Yes. Are you saying you want to symmetrically dock with him? The more of Rhett's games that I play, the more I feel like I understand him as a person. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's like how I want people to engage with my work. It's like Rhett is just a person made of explosions and anime. (laughs) Yeah. John. Okay. You still haven't but, watched 150 yet, though. I'm on it. I'm on that, and I'm on Project <laughs> N32. Last year, I hadn't played um, Hunters, and this year, I hadn't played Project N33. So I'm work- I'm I'm progressing, dude. See, look, he's he's, he's just savoring all of your work because eventually he's going to get to the end. <laughs> and that's going to be the high. Because like, what do you do now? What do you do now? We're bullet phase. What's that? That's In a 20- Chinese. That's a Chinese democracy of flash games. In in 2019, he'll play Press Space to win 2009. <laughs> I'll be like, wow, this just blows it all out of the water. <laughs> Fuck all the rest of this. In 2022, he'll finally see dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um, so Project N33, it's kind of like it exists in between um, Hunter's is like glorious excess and Super Zalex's really tight, fun design, mm-hmm. I feel like. It's good. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of Toho. Well, yes. I was definitely like deep in the Toho 
when I made it. And I really <laughs> like I really like extra stage to straight up. I was just like shameless. I really like the idea of uh just like one weapon. Yeah, mm. it definitely it, it just it made things simpler. Mm-hmm. That like, was definitely kind of a reaction to so many flash games just being about the power up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just uh-huh. like, no, I'm just gonna give you the gun at the start. That's it. Yeah, Fuck I really you. appreciated that about it. And um I beat the extra stage. I think I beat it on normal mode. I think I want to go back and beat it on hard mode oh, at some point. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't actually change. No, it doesn't. The hard mode? The extra stage doesn't change. Yeah, I know. I, I, beat, is... I beat the extra stage oh, oh, oh. just on yeah. its own. And I want to go back and beat hard mode of the rest of the game proper. There's oh, a okay, really right. great Let's Play of Rhett and Beatback <laughs> on, on my YouTube channel playing that. That was awesome. a lunatic. It's harder with two people. Yeah. Because stuff that shoots at you will alternate between the players. Yeah. It's, so it's a fucking mess. <laughs> um, Polyclicker is glorious. Mm-hmm. I can, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I kind of consider it sort of a triumph <laughs> on my part, in a sense. On your part, <laughs> what? Okay. I'll need an explanation here. No. Oh, that's right. Because, yeah, John was like, I talked to him a lot while making it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was like I feel like um, your your games are just like these really well thought out, meticulously put together, insane, o- over the top, awesome things. Um, and then I made like Dance Party <laughs> and like Frog Adventure and this kind of these tiny games. And I really like and I really like Dance Party. And this game reminded me a whole lot of Dance Party. Just with the the kind of um, collage kind collage. of collage. Yeah. It's a it's a collage game. That's what yeah. probably it's a collage game put on top of a really really fun um, clicker inspired battle engine. Yeah, and it's just about it's a collection of in jokes, and I think that is something that has a lot of value. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I think I put it above the zero escape games, and I'm really happy with that. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> crazy to me, even. <laughs> Well, just wait until you get to the rest of this list. This is a really good. This is a really good year for me. <laughs> Number eight, Final Fantasy VIII, better than Polyclicker. Oh, <laughs> now you're gonna make me mad. I mean, just for context, last year my number ten and number nine were um, Kagiri Naki Tatakai and Sonic Adventure. So, oh my god, god. <laughs> we're leveling up here. Yeah, we're finally getting some forward progress on John. We can actually see him growing up over the course of this last year in the podcast. Just listen. <laughs> Right. His voice started cracking. It did. What? <laughs> I'm just really excited about these games. <laughs> Holy <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> I sing bass in the um, church choirs, just so you all know, so I can I can do this all day. Do you really want to go there? <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> okay. So that's your number nine? Uh, it's too late to change my mind, right? Yeah, too late. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So how about we shake things up with another guest list? Woo! How many of you remember our good friend Vanner O'Ryan? Also, I a do. Former Soxcast. Also, oh former a just... former Soxcast guest who who taught who really likes Monster Hunter. Oh, uh, I'm so excited to play Monster. Boy, Hunter. does he love him some Monster! <laughs> oh Hunter. my God, Monster does Hunter he? is on my best games of all time list that yeah, I haven't played. <laughs> I think he might have talked about Monster Hunter on uh, the the Soxcast that he was on. He might have talked about it a little bit. <laughs> might have talked about it a little bit. Well, let's see if it's on his top games list. <laughs> All right. So coming in at number four, we've got Earth Defense Force 4.1. 
And he says, yes, it just came out. Yes, it's that good. Best part was going through an underground nest of ants and spiders, frying them all with my chain lightning gun hovering across piles of bodies with my jetpack while my friend lumbers behind with his Fuchikoma clearing the bodies and picking up items that the, the items that they drop. EDF, EDF, EDF. Those games are really fucking cool. Like, I, I probably should play them more because I like the... Ab- the abject silliness that they are i agree i thought they were kind of considered bad but like they are bad. they're charmingly okay. bad but like the, the mechanics are fun enough like it's just running gun shoot things blow things up you know and it's nothing really special about it it's just hey here's the thing and it does it's just what it does giant ants yeah that's pretty great yeah i like giant ants you also like giant spiders mm. Sp- giant spider ladies no just giant spiders are fine too <laughs> mm-hmm so number three, Resident Evil HD remaster. Mm. Giant <laughs> spiders. Giant spiders. Yes, uh, it was good then. It's still good and looks even better than before. This game actually gives Silent Hill a run for its money in the atmosphere department in some parts. Mm. Not sure I agree there, but this is your <laughs> list. This is your I, list. That game I don't... terrified me when I played it. Yeah, you were like four, you fucking babby. <laughs> I don't think it's really the atmosphere that appeals to me about Resident Evil. It's the just completely how together those mechanics are. Just yeah. how completely tense it is on a mechanical level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really into that. And I re- I'm really into this remaster, too. Since I, I, I think we talked about this, and I was like, the cheese factor did actually get in the way of it a little bit for me. And yeah. I think something a little more subdued would really be nice. Plus, really pretty pre-rendered backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, that game looks great. Um, I think I saw Ashley play some of it. It was either that or Revelations 2 that she played. But anyway, Sagui-ing right right into her number, into (laughs) Vanner's number two, is Resident Evil Revelations 2. Definitely proves that Barry is the most badass Resident Evil protagonist. He can't punch boulders, but nobody delivers horrible self-referential one-liners as well as he does, to the point that they become awesome. He's not wrong, Barry's pretty awesome uh, uh, some of the dialogue i heard in that game it's pretty bad but i mean come on it's resident evil i have resident evil revelations one is that a good game i really like that uh on the three maybe play it, it I, i'm almost sure that that is on one of my game of the year lists uh it was the year that i got my 3ds i believe oh how cool <clears throat> Yeah, that game is pretty good. I never played the, the HD remake, but I really do kind of want to play Revelations too. So, uh, and Vanner O'Ryan's Game of the Year might not shock anybody, but here it is: Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Uh, Metallic Archaea is the precursor to Oilix. Why didn't anybody notice this? I didn't notice that. And I barely even knew what you were talking about. I also, definitely don't. Also, when are we going to get Metal Gear Rising 2 Quiet Riot? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't read this list prior, but... Oh, god damn it, that was good. I, I, t- trust me when I say this, Vanner, but I am feeling that noise. Um, <clears throat> where we play as Quiet and see how she single-handedly ends the Cold War in the same vein as Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Because I would totally play the shit out of that game. Anyways, you all be good and have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you very much, Vanner. Fantastic list. Yep. Agreed. All right. So, Rhett, moving on up. Number eight, 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 eight. It's not the Stanley Parable. It's not? It's Inc. 2, A Game of Clones. Oh, really? 
I really, really like this game. Fantastic. And it's just like, just when I remember playing it and just constantly kind of thinking like, this game's kind of a masterpiece, isn't it? I thought that like, about the first game. I thought that its mechanics were just so put together and they work really well. I just, the first game just didn't click with me. Even I mean, I enjoyed it enough to finish it, but like the second game just felt kind of perfect almost. Like, I'm so really... excited now because I've got it installed. <laughs> what, which was the one that you did? Did you tell us about Stealth Inc. 1 where you played it and were like, what's this map thing? What's this? No, that's 2. That's... Oh, so did you, oh, so you oh, came around yeah. and all that stuff? Two is two is the one that became a Metroidvania, and it's just like really awesome. Okay, cool. Because it's not it's not like nonlinear, but like you have these levels that will focus on one item, and then when you go back to into the open world, you have all your items, and so like the puzzle design gets to change up constantly. And it's really cool when you unlock new stuff, and it's like, oh, I can go here now and find more levels. That's really cool. And they really emphasize like throwing objects as a mechanic this time so yeah I think that was it feels a lot better in this game than it did in the first one yeah that was one of the big uh de- like i think it was the last piece of dlc they did for the first game was it was like uh like the, the, the teleporter thing where you had to throw it and, yeah yeah i forget everything in this one but one of them is just like clone yourself and then you're like killing the clones in certain ways to propel one of them forward and like <laughs> the camera just centers on who is the last alive like it gets pretty violent that sounds lovely yeah so it's just the swapper played a slapstick yeah that's fantastic oh, yeah there's, there's like a whole story in the second game too that takes place right after the first game oh and wow. like totally acknowledges the ending of the first game oh for real yeah okay now i've got i've got to boot that up but then tonight. there's like actually like a decently compelling villain in the second game this one guy who really just wants you to die <laughs> So like you meet the man behind behind the like the messages on the walls and he taunts you through the whole game and it goes places. That's really cool. It's a really cool game. And like puzzle platformers, they feel so played out at this point. Mm-hmm. It was cool to be like really, really excited impressed. about one. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So I guess it's me then. Yep. My number eight 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 is um Probably, I think it's the only game that I played on that that is on my list this year that didn't come out this year. Oh wow! Yeah, um, my number eight goes to XCOM Enemy Unknown. Nice. This this game, like, holy crap! It is brutal. It you is, played that this year? Yeah, I played that this year. <clears throat> oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Um, th- this game just like kind of makes you want to lay on the ground and curl in a fetal position and never make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like every decision matters from, you know, whether it's like a move on the battlefield or like, what do I want to build? You know, it's just like everything has a weight to it, especially if you're playing um, where, you know, you can't go in and save scum your way through it. Like, I can't remember AKA the only way to play. Yeah. It's so like if you make a decision that gets someone killed, like, there is no going back. It's it's done, and I named all of my troopers after everybody. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I did too. And then D Mac died, and I'm like, oh fuck. I think Taylor and Grimm's were the only people that died in my playthrough, unfortunately. And that was like the last fucking map. So it was the just last, like, last yeah, mission, such bullshit. It's so me. It's like, oh yeah, sure, yep, they're dead. I can't stop that from happening. Uh, but good lord, like just 
from top to bottom, mechanically, the way that game works, the way everything functions, it's 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 it is it is an ordeal. Uh, but it's an ordeal that I was very happy uh, to have seen it through to the end. You're like I kept thinking, you know, multiple times, like, oh man, is this going to turn so sour that I'm going to have to start over? And I never got to that point. Like there were a few times where I was definitely in a lot of danger, and there were a few times where it was like all my best dudes are currently out on injury. Oh no, this is bad. Um, and, and that game, like, it just gets harder the longer you drag the war out, too. So, like, it, it, it's not, there's a sense of urgency to everything you do as well because every day that goes by, just like stronger enemies are going to start appearing or threats are going to be popping up more you're going to get more invasions and you're it's a game that's like take your time but hurry up um and it's just the way that it gives you no safety nets whatsoever and it's Mm -hmm. it's not afraid to be punishing in the least yeah it's Um, a it's a game you can lose at, and that's yeah. so rare these you, days. You can literally get like eight to ten hours in, and it's just like they, like everybody's dropped out of the XCOM project. You can't continue this war; it's over. Yeah, my first game was ended in failure because like my squad got fucking wiped, and then yeah. I just couldn't recover from that. Yeah, well, like when you're playing that game, the two things that I would recommend is research laser weapons first, and <laughs> and make sure. That you're training up other people other than your main squad. You're going to want to try and keep a balanced array of dudes. So yeah, XCOM, Enemy Unknown, fantastic game. Deserves that all the accolades. like a John game. It totally is. But I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if uh, your number eight would qualify as a John game. Um, my number eight is Taito's Rayforce. Hey, yeah! Oh my god, this game. <laughs> is this just the best shmup ever? It's one of the best, absolutely. Oh, that This is a shmup, A, alright, alright. A, it has really pretty music. Mm-hmm. B, it uses um, 2D sprites and sprite scaling and sprite scaling backgrounds um, yep. to have just a really, really gorgeous aesthetic and effect. And there's so many different layers of parallax and they're incorporated into the actual play because you have two attacks, one of which hits on your lair and one of its one of which hits below your lair. Yeah. And also the stages um, progress from one to the other continuously. Um, there's little chapter headings basically at the beginning of each stage, but there's no fade to black like an R-type or whatever. Yeah, it's just a um, one straight shot to the end. It looks really cool. Great mm-hmm. presentation. Yeah, and it's just a really – actually, it's a pretty affecting and dreary story on top of all that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's something that really is compel- compels me a lot. Cool. That's your number eight then? Yes. Well, why don't you hit us up with another one of those guest lists we've got so Oh, of. my God. Let's do a guest list. I am doing Poncho Smith's. Ooh, okay. Here's a meaty one. <clears throat> Polyclicker is number five in my heart. So Ooh, that's Poncho Smith. <laughs> that's two votes. Hey, moving on up. All right. Well, I, I voted two, so that's three. Oh, that's three. Yeah. Not counting um, Witcher <laughs> Polly Clicker. <laughs> no, I think that was con- quite whatever. Polly Witcher. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Skibbo did yep. clickers. Exactly. All right. That's number three. That's three. <laughs> All right. Hello, dear Soxcasters. Another year chock full of interactive electronic entertainment has come and gone. So here's the four titles that left the best impressions on me. Number four, Super Cyborg. Pro- probably the closest we'll ever get to playing a shiny new Contra title ever again, 
Oh. Super Cyborg is oh. a great way to indulge in some old-timey NES-style masochism. The gameplay is certainly familiar, but it's a hell of a lot more colorful than any 8-bit Contra, and the enemy designs maintain the same alien, grotesque standard that we've come to expect from the series. The game does stumble a bit in a few areas, namely in the interminable overhead sixth stage. Ugh. Is there only one overhead stage? Yeah, there's one, and it's really that seems, bad. That just seems kind of pointless. And just in, just in the fact that Super Cyborg comes dangerously close to crossing the derivative plagiarist line. Oh, then yeah. again, if Konami has no intention of doing any... I, don't, I think it's crossed that line when he used the sound effects. Yeah, yeah. Just straight up uses the same sound effects. And then the put itself on sale. Yeah. Then again, if Konami has no intention of doing anything with their own properties anymore, I suppose someone else has to. Fair mm. enough. Um, number three, Downwell. Hey, I, yeah. God, this I played the hell out of this game lately. Um, I put it down so I could play another awesome game. Um, so I didn't finish it, so I didn't um, put it on my list. But yeah, I, I really fucking love Downwell too. Just putting that out there. Number three, Downwell. Fast, frenetic, monochromatic, simple and clean fun. Perhaps more than any game I've played in years, Downwell perfectly captures that classic arcade game feel with tight controls, intense action, and an understated yet aesthetically pleasing visual design. Downwell has a fairly high barrier to entry. The game throws you to the wolves from the word go and adheres to the oh-so-beloved light mantra of one death, game over. You'll remember that stage one music, all right? Once you've gotten your playstyle and power-ups preferences figured out, you'll be gun-booting it across the screen and devouring ghost corpses like the well-diving champion you were born to be. Amen. Great game. Yeah, that game kicks ass. Um, number two, Crypt of the Necrodancer. Mm. Technically, this game was made available for purchase back in 2014, but since the full finished product came out earlier this year, it seems reasonable enough to talk about it during the 2015 wrap-up. Also, this is our podcast, and we do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a simple enough concept to grasp. Move your character and attack to the beat of the music and collect enough gear and upgrades to see you through to the end. An ever-changing enemy roster and an eclectic soundtrack keeps you constantly on your toes. Throw in a generous helping of additional characters with drastically different playstyles, and you've got a recipe for a long-lasting, beat-heavy challenge. Also, the soundtrack's amazing. Add it to your jogging, weightlifting, Pilates playlist immediately. I do not have one of those. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't do Pilates because I'm not a wimp. I don't, weightlift. I don't. Yeah, I lift. It's like I, I can bench press at least twenty five pounds. <laughs> bench press at least two reps. There you go. All right. Number one, Shovel Knight, Plague of Shadows. Mm. Vanilla Shovel Knight missed top honors last year by a sliver. But since Galaxy Trail didn't release a game this year, this choice was a no-brainer. So take everything you love about Shovel Knight, rip out the blue guy, and stamp in a twitchy, nervy new lead who barely adheres to the laws of gravity and traction. Mm -hmm. Far from a quick cash grab... The Plague of Shadows DLC, con considering they released it for free, yeah. The yeah. Plague of Shadows DLC completely reinvents the game and delivers a brand new experience without ever once feeling like a limp retread. And hey, it was free, kinda. How kinda? If you have to buy the game first. Oh, well, I, yeah. I think, like, wasn't it like a dollar or something on 3DS or oh, something? was it? I can't remember. There might have been a weird thing with Nintendo. Yeah, or... not letting them do free updates or something. I think that's pretty I don't. considering. <laughs> I... 
Getting we don't fact to, check this shit. Who cares? Getting used to how Plague Knight handles will take some time, but it's immensely satisfying once you figure out how fast you can tear through some stages. At its heart, though, Plague of Shadows has a message, as it is a game that wants us to love and accept ourselves for who we are, even though we may not see or feel that we deserve it. I think that's good enough for a number one spot. That's Plus, a John game. That sounds like a John game. Plus, it gave me a reason to play the game obsessively once again. Yeah, that. Bravo. Like, I can't argue with that. That's a fantastic choice. Absolutely. Thank you, Poncho. Fantastic list. Mm-hmm. Um, Rhett, oh. moving on up. Number seven. Uh, I don't know what to say about this game, so I'll just say what it is. Mm-hmm. The Unfinished Swan. Mm. Yeah. This game looks really <laughs> lovely. Yeah, it really does. I think so, Santa and I consider getting it. It's just like, there's a lot of games with cute messages that, like, they really speak to you, but because of where this game goes with its kind of message about being a creator specifically, like, it's a game that felt like it was really actually speaking to me personally. Yeah, it's kind of and like... And it just fucking gigantic emotional gut punch at the end. Oh, no. And I wanted to revisit it before doing this list, but I didn't, so it's at number seven. It's respectable. respectable. It's a very, very good game. Yeah, and the part where you play it is fun too. Like it's no slouch there. It's just got this really cool yeah. message with it, especially if you're yeah, a creator, which is definitely the why, the reason. Yeah, like I, I want to play that and the, I want to play that and the beginner's guide because I oh, know that they both <laughs> they both speak a lot to people who yeah. create things, and that's definitely something I kind of want to see put into game form and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Beginner's Guide just speaks to me just to, for the ways that I've like will go into a specific creator's like backlog of work and just like tear through it and piece together this kind of image of them. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting how once you have finished it though, you realize like Unfinished Swan actually uses kind of that creator's thing as its gameplay hook for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Like at the very beginning, the whole world is white and you throw black paint over everything, so it's like you're a painter and then. In the next section, you're a gardener and you're growing That's these really vines nice. everywhere. And then there's yeah, like... that came out the same year as Journey, so it probably got oh. kind of unfairly overshadowed. Yeah, hmm. I really like Journey, but that's a shame. There's one part with like 3D modeling and building architecture. So like they go through different paces with like creating things through the gameplay, and it's it's really nice. <laughs> that sounds really lovely. Polly, I think that means you are our number seven. Right. My number seven is read only memories. Oh Yeah, this one so this bad. one got this one got in pretty easily. This game's world, the story and characters, they just immediately sucked me in. Like it gave me like these eighties slash nineties anime vibes and a lot of feeling of like ghost in the shell. You've got your sci fi intrigue in there, and it's just so brilliantly written. Um, you know, the story itself might be, you know, a little straightforward and milk toast for the sci-fi genre, but I think that it's the characters and like the world and the way you interact with it and the, like, and just how, you know, inclusive it is. That, that was a really a, a breath of fresh air that made me really enjoy the game a lot. And I mean, there's not a lot I can say about it other than, you know, great story, great characters it was a blast to go through. Um, I'm hoping magical. it it it's really good. It's really good. So that is uh, that is my number seven. I re- I really need to play that. You really do. It's really really good. Like it it, it came out like I, I I picked it up as late as I did and played it as late as I did this year and it still got pretty damn high on my list. Yeah. Uh. So that's that that should give you an idea of how much I really really enjoy it. Um. 
So, John, number seven? Mm-hmm. My number seven is, it's an okay little game, I guess. I, I dug into it for about a week really deeply, mm-hmm. came away from it really satisfied. Mm-hmm. I played Contra Hardcore for the Sega Genesis. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we're taking it back. Taking mm-hmm. it back. Mm-hmm. John, John, once again, probably has the oldest game on the list this year. Oh, that game, though. That game, like, top to bottom. Like, I've been playing Contra 3 lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can really appreciate Contra Hardcore even more now. And I finished a, a Shattered Soldier Let's Play uh, just recently as well. And it's just, it just kept reminding me. It's like, you know, Contra Hardcore is just... Just the best. Fucking amazing. So good. God. That, that fucking... I think, stage, I think the thing that pops out into my head more is the Stage 4 boss. Yeah. That just oh. it, the way it kind of plays with the mu- it almost feels like it's just set to the music in a really cool way, and it yeah, just it's entirely has, scripted. It has this great rhythm to it that I just adore. It, that game just kind of defines the genesis to me. Yeah, By the way, it, I, it does I think, a lot of very genesisy things. Mm-hmm. I think like four years ago or something, I made a list of my favorite genesis games and put this at number three, and I put Gunstar Heroes over it, and you were like, <laughs> "John, come on, <laughs> I want you to know." That was wrong, and you were right. Absolutely. Poly- so am I, I going to have to edit the Genesis list? No, you don't have to edit the Genesis list. No. It can, it can stay, it's a monument to the time it was made. Look, I don't think that like Gunstar Heroes is a bad game at all. I love that game, no, too. No, I like it, too. Pieces, but I, I just think uh, hardcore, hardcore is just... Like, hey, it's a, it's a contra bias. I have it. Okay, like it doesn't have a bad smut schmup stage. I have contra bias. That was your that was and your logic. That, was it doesn't yeah. have a bad schmup stage? Yeah, it doesn't have a shitty schmup stage or overhead levels. Yeah, it's just got really great side scrolling action. Mm-hmm. A bunch of levels. I think there are like a bunch 12. of bosses. I think there are like twelve or thirteen levels. Total. It's ridiculous, and none and of them are none of them are filler. No, nope. they're all um. They the all do their own great. cool thing. The structure is so great. Imagine if they just had them all like lined up. It'd be so. I would. St- I would still be very happy I'd, playing through. I'd like, still love it. But in any route of the game, you'll so only great. play. You'll only play as many as five or six stages. But it's great. I would love to pl- just play all twelve of them straight through front <laughs> to back. Let's just do it. Like I just love the. I love the tits off that game. <laughs> Amen. Yep. Number seven. Contra Hardcore. It's oh. the best Contra game. It's a great. It's, Maybe the best Sega Genesis game. It's amazing. It's, it's really, really fucking high up there. Rhett, hey. I hear we might have a goddamn another guest list. Boys, another one already. We're just tearing through this. We're just hanging out. Let's let's go. Who have we got uh, for our next guest list? Oh, <laughs> Carmichael Nicholas. Yep, that Is would that be our boy. Say, that's say our boy. Yep. Okay. At Number least that's four. Th- like I. I only think that that's how you say the last name because I did a. Uh, a funny thing a few years ago, back when my site was more active, where like I used a text-to-speech thing to just read out the entirety of the main page, <laughs> and that's how it said his name, so that's how I've always said it. Cool. So <laughs> there's that dumb bit of trivia. Okay, number four, Shovel Knight. Finally got around to playing this game. It's fun, though my level skill can have me screaming in rage at this game from time to time. <laughs> they made the retro sound and retro sound and look work for this game it has plenty of humor a wide range of options for your magic it's a great game except when it pisses me off because i suck at it wait 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 what was the game again shovel knight. Sho- shovel knight oh excellent he- he's kind of bad at it apparently number three hyper dimension neptunia rebirth 
2, Sister's Generation. Ah! The story doesn't mesh as well as the first game does, but, but what with its slightly more serious nature, but it's still a fun game. A lot of the humor is still there, and it picks up after a certain point in the game. Still glad I picked it up. Yeah, the way you read that title sounded just like the title screen. That's not how I hear the title screen. I hear Chojinko Neptunia Reba Tusita Generation. <laughs> that is my new ringtone. <laughs> Rhett, that is my new ringtone. That got a little racist at the end. Yeah, number just a th- fucking little bit. <laughs> number two. <laughs> Number two, Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen: A Realm Reborn slash Heaven's Sword. People like this game, don't yeah, they? Hell People yeah, they really do. Li- I really want to play it. Hey, fuck. Hey, y'all. Final Fantasy yeah. is cool again, right? It's cool again. Yeah. I, I guess it is now with the Final Fantasy seven remake and fifteen. 15 looks cool. Lightning Returns is cool. Well, well, cool. well, let's not say things we can't take back. Okay. I don't know about Lightning Returns. Like There's Final no Fantasy. way that game isn't cool. I like Final Fantasy thirteen. There you go. It's Final... Really, Final Fantasy is cool. I think that's something I've come to in the last, like, two weeks, is Final Fantasy is cool and has always been cool. Continue. I don't know. There, there was that slump in the middle where they released a game called 8 that... Mm. Yeah, not so good, Al. <laughs> okay. Final Fantasy fourteen. The last MMO I played this much was World of Warcraft. This game has a lot going for it. A main storyline involving your character... The ability to play all classes on the same character, non-competitive gathering nodes, and pretty fun dungeons. The crafting can be pretty bullshit at times, plus some pickup groups come straight from Derptonia. <laughs> but, but even those aren't too bad, usually. Derptonia. It's my new favorite word. Number one. Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 1. Yay! Absolutely wonderful sense of humor great cast of characters and, and an overall grand experience it certainly has its problems but the amount of fun i experienced from playing this offset all of that and then some thank you polly for introducing the series to me oh i wish y'all had introduced it to me after i got in the vita now i'm <laughs> seven hours in and it's 30 dollars and uh <laughs> The Vita ones are 30 frames a second so they're there you uh, go they're oh of course that way Jeez. way inferior Ugh. Don't need that garbage. Okay. I just throw it in my throat a little bit. Sorry. I continue. He had a little message at the end. And there we have it. Thanks for all the podcasts this year, folks. I've listened to almost all of them, and I look forward to hearing more next year. I was hoping to have more fan art for you guys I could show in here, but sadly not yet. With any luck, me saying this will prompt me to put in more work into it, though. At any rate, happy holidays and all that jazz. Hey, happy holidays to you, too. Thank you. Uh, and uh, get, in touch really, with, get, really in, nice. get in touch with me sometime. We wanna, we'd like to really have you on uh, for a regular episode. Ooh. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so get in touch with me either at the forum or shoot me an email, and uh, we'll get you on. Sorry, sometimes I just forget that people listen to these. and <laughs> just think I just think all of you are great. You're all great. Aww. Aww. Well, with all those good feelings, Rhett, we've got to get your last game of the day. Number six. Well, like Carmichael, I like this series a lot. My number six is Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 1. Yay! <laughs> this game, it's weird because I remember, I was thinking back on my experience through this game where you bought it for me like as a joke, kind of, because the original on PS3 was so bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you you just sent it to me like, hey, tell me if this is any good or not. Mm-hmm. And by like... I was in chapter two, and I'm like, I don't know. 
it's funny, but it's so janky. Like you kind of really got to get used to the budget production yeah. of that series. Did that happen all? Did, is the entire re- ne- Neptunia thing happened this year? Yeah, the first game came oh out on god. Steam in January, I think. Oh my god, that's so cool. Okay. So yeah, but then by the end, I was just like completely in love with this game. Yeah, I like. And... I think like I can't remember, but I think I might have bought it like the podcast that you started talking about it favorably. Yeah. Like That's I, really nice. It was just like immediately after I got your confirmation that, you know what, this is actually getting really good. But and like when you first asked me, I was like, eh, yeah. it's okay. I don't know. But yeah, it you definitely takes a bit to warm up. And then once you get like the iffy vert stuff, it's really cute. Yeah, it starts getting just absolutely adorable. Yeah, and, and then you meet Blanc and I'm like, okay, this is. Now you're just like top waifu. <laughs> But yeah, one the main thing that sticks out to me because I've played like two and most a lot of the third game now. The thing that sticks out to me the most about the first game is the differences between the normal and the true ending. Mm-hmm. And how the normal ending, you save the day, hooray! But then the true ending, you go all the way. We're going to save everyone. And during that, I'm crying and I'm like, man, this is actually the best Magical Girl slash Sailor Moon JRPG ever. <laughs> <laughs> the true ending is so good. It's so okay. goddamn adorable. I should play this game. Yeah. Thank y'all. <laughs> I want to be in on this. Like, That's why I, I want to play the sequel. Hey, you know what? We got like, like more people. More and more people are getting sucked into this phenomenon. I know that it's... Raquel just started playing uh, Rebirth One, so <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous seeing like every day now, like people getting achievements for the Neptunia games. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like, it's like Poncho just like went out and bought Rebirth 2 and it wasn't even on sale. He was just like, I need more Nep in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Rebirth 1 is really cool, even though the difficulty is a bit fucking whack at times. Yeah, it's really... <laughs> I told you I put it down and then picked it up five minutes away from the brick wall box. <laughs> I mean, that's the main brick wall. There's another one I still don't quite understand. But like, seal... <laughs> Yeah, never mind. Skill seal. Skill seal and item Fuck seal. That shit. I just go after the item sealer first and then easy peasy. Cool. So that's your number six. That's my number six. My, <gasps> no- my number six is The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth. Whoa. Cool. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. What? That's slow. Whoa. <laughs> maybe, maybe there are just things out this year that had more of an impression. I was expecting, like, number two. <laughs> uh, I really like The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth. I don't think that it's bad. I just think that, like, my list is so stacked with really great things that it was really hard to know where to place this one. Um, yeah. so and this is just the DLC. Yeah, this basically. is just the DLC. This is just me judging the DLC on, like, its own merits, what it brought to the game. Like, greed mode is awesome. Daily runs are fantastic. Uh, I wish more people had it so I could, you know, so I felt like I wasn't just, you know, kind of wasting my time doing them. Because obviously, you know, like, (laughs) you only do leaderboard stuff because you want to play against your friends. You don't really care about the overall. Because leaderboards are always really hacked. Oh, yeah. And they're they're super hacked. Yeah, they're super hacked to shit. Is Finding of Isaac okay on the Vita? Oh, yeah. Cool. But the DLC might not be coming. Yeah. Apparently, okay. it's apparently the game is just too much for 3ds, and uh, 
You got I mean, like 170 million hours out of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, of even just having Binding of Isaac by itself, like you're gonna have a shit ton of hours. Like that mm-hmm. game, that game lasts a long time, and I've and only I think played I'll play it way more if I can do it portably. Same with Spelunky. It's like yeah. I, I just, I just beat Greed Mode with the Lost the other day, oh. <laughs> and, I, and it, it instantly reminded me of why this game feels so goddamn good. It's just. It, it's like, like it was my game of the year last year for a reason. It's one of the best games I've ever played, and I, I and for a lot of reasons, I connect to that game emotionally uh, as well. There are just things that you know have to do with the character and the lore and uh, its commentary on religion and things and how that can affect children that I actually really identify with. Uh, you know, along with all of the gender stuff. Um, but yeah, like the uh, the judging the DLC uh, just on its own merits, you know, I'm not trying to because if I put the whole game in again, like yeah. this would easily be like number two or number three. But I thought it was fair that since, you know, like it's been a really stacked year already, and Rebirth is, you know, it got its due last year. I think, you know, I gave it top honors. So this mm-hmm. year I just went with just like, okay, what does this DLC mean? In regards to everything else on my list, so I'm going to give uh, the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth. Yeah. Uh, number six i think it's uh, a really worthwhile addition um you know like like i said the extra modes are great the new characters are pretty fun uh and new ways to play it and it's got uh afterbirth plus coming out uh, i was gonna say is it afterbirth plus or afterbirth cross i, I don't know because it kind of looks like it a looks like a cross. cross actually but afterbirth plus afterbirth cross which is gonna just add like full-on mod support to the game a room editor uh a character <laughs> editor lua scripting it's, it's basically them saying buy the fucking PC version because you're yeah. not going to get this on consoles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth is my number six. John, give me a number six. Give you a number six? All right. Um, we're kind of into the territory now where I'm picking the games that kind of took over my life for a little while uh-huh. in a positive way. <laughs> um, basically, everything here just kind of gave me a space to be for a little while that was positive and made me feel good. And I think that probably the most dramatic of all of those kind of being sucked into something for a while was my experience with the Castlevania series mm-hmm. um, in August and some of September, where for like a month and a half, I just played nothing but Castlevania games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember. We remember. Yeah, and I was after some really sad family news, and I just kind of fell into that forever for just this long time and it made me feel better in a really cool way. Um, so I wanted to pick out the two games that I think represent the strongest of what that little era of my life had to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so sorry, Castle, Castlevania Adventures what started it, but it's gonna, it's gonna <laughs> fall by the wayside for now. Um, Castlevania Bloodlines and Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. I can support that. Cool. I, um, Castlevania Bloodlines is a fucking great Genesis game. It's, it's. I really think it's just the perf- a perfect companion piece to Contra Hardcore. Um, it's just a killer action game, and it uses tech gimmickry in really solid design ways. Um, the tricks that game pulls with the Medusa heads um, still kind of blow my mind thinking about them. Um, and it's just so concise and tight from start to finish. Yeah. Um, the only thing it has going against it is that it does not make any attempt at being kind of like at developing a sense of place or architecture like the original Castlevania um, and Rondo did. Yeah. Um, it's just a series of, it's just a gauntlet of kind of unrelated set pieces. And that's fine considering the set pieces are just so impressive. Um, that, that just set, that game sets my heart a tingle <laughs> with design wise. 
um, just in the way that a lot of a lot of Genesis action games do. Really, um, there are seven Metroidvanias, seven <laughs> Igovanias, and Symphony is bloated and incomplete. Um, Circle of the Moon is bad. <laughs> Harmony of Dissonance is just kind of unfortunate and and endearing in a lot of ways. Um, Dawn of Sorrow is ironically soulless. Um, Portrait of the Ruin is just a hack job. Just fuck that game. Um, and Order of Ecclesia, it takes all these steps kind of away from the Igavania formula, which just makes all the remaining trappings of the Igavania formula just feel like way- dead weight to me. Um, Aria Sorrow. So out of seven games, it was the last one I played. And it's the only one I really think is good, but I think it's really good. Um, That's some determination. Um, so it's Symphony and Harmony gave enough kind of of intrigue to get me keep me going. Plus, I was really sad. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um, Arya's really fucking good. There's no you don't have hearts and a magic meter for one thing. Just there. Um, all the soul stuff is really cool without being like just the kind of obsessive type design of like Dawn of Sorrow or it's collect all the Pokemans. Um, not that Pokemon is bad, but, and there's just the, the, where, where that story goes at the end just really kind of blow, blew me away in a cool way. The, the fight with Julius and the song mm-hmm. and where it starts with references, heart of fire in the end. And then you go just into this psychological space where you're fighting with, Soma's own worst demons. Um, it's really well done, and I think it's a lot more interesting than Dawn of Sorrow's continuation of the narrative. Um, everything about Dawn of Sorrow that felt kind of labored in comparison just feels so natural and together um, in Aria of Sorrow. And it probably has the second best castle in the series outside of Symphony. Great game. I love it a lot. It's probably the pinnacle of the series post-Rondo. Not <laughs> that's saying much, but I really love it. Cool. All right, so I guess what we'll do here is we'll wind down with uh, uh, a few more guest lists because we still got a lot of these to burn through, uh, and then we'll do a quick recap, uh, and then we'll close out the de- uh, the first day. But for now, our next guest list comes from our very own Chelsea. Good the old legend. Chelsea. The, le- the man, not really, the myth, the legend. Um, wow, weird. Anyway... <laughs> Her number four is Fantasy Star Online 2. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess I have to mention this because of how much I played it lately. But while this is by no means a great game and still has its problems, it's good mindless fun and it's been a great way to wind down from the work day. Translated story mode is fun too. Also, Rhett plays and that's cool too, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Hey, I think she just sold that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I feel, I, the enthusiasm is just pounding out of my pounding in my heart. I, out I can already hear John clicking furiously, looking for downloads. How do, I have no idea how to play that game, and it, luckily I'm not particularly interested. <laughs> you need like a Japanese Sega account. It's a fucking pain. Uh, There's yeah. like Japanese captures you have to go through. Let's, I don't let's... even remember my login information. The sad part is, I did. I I, I it just completely got lost to the ether at some point for me. Hey, y'all, let's play Fantasy Star 1 next year sometime. What was that? I don't know. Those old games just... Uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, her number three is Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 2. 
Gameplay-wise, it's an improvement over the first game, but the characters and humor really didn't stand out as much. It does, however, have Red and Uni and 5PB and Cave, who are all awesome, and I'm excited to have them all together in Rebirth 3. Skitty, you're going to be a little disappointed because a lot of those <laughs> returning characters, they kind of suck in combat. I don't really understand that. It's so weird. Uh, her number two is Hyperdimension Neptunia, <laughs> Rebirth 1. Uh, didn't expect much out of this game, but it surprised me with its humor characters. Uh, with its humor and characters. Balance was terrible, but that's not really the goal of the game. Also, lesbians. IF and Vert are easily the gaming couple of the year. Not going to argue with you there. Absolutely. <laughs> They're the best. And her game of the year is Tales of Exilia 2. Any game that made me cry as much as this one uh, did can't possibly, can't possibly not be my number one. Huge improvement over the first game and probably has the most heart-wrenching plot of anything I've ever played. Very close second to Grace's F in my Tales of series top five. Cool. So, I uh, hear we got uh, another list. Why don't you uh, hit me up, John? Oh, my God. Yeah, all right. So, this is, yo, podcast dudes. This is Dr. No. Hell hey. yeah, Dr. No. We've known that dude. A since... long time. We've known him since 2001, easily. And Ah, uh, yes. And... Did, you meet... Did and... you meet him on PSO? Uh, yeah. Cool. And we're going to have him as our first guest of the year next year. That's 9DJ. What? Nine years before John. <laughs> I was like, what? Nine work jobs? What are you talking about? Yo, podcast dudes, I only got one game of the year. <laughs> That's the face where he sticks out his tongue. Okay. Yeah, you got that? Got it. Following. Okay. It's not the face that he would make while he pees. I don't know what that would look like, and it would probably be hard to convey in a monocon. My game of the year is Pillars of Eternity. Mm. I kickstarted this game to hopefully be an example that dot 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 gamers do like to read shit in their games. It's true. It's not that alien of a concept. The CRPG style of RPGs is something that needs to be awakened again. And Pillars of Eternity did a damn good job of that this year with its gameplay and its story. I also really enjoy the environments. They really felt nice to go through and experience. It felt like an old-fashioned RPG in the form of Baldur's Gate, but it does pretty well with its own lore to not just make it a clear D&D clone. That's all I have to say about P.O.E. I'm, and then still, I'm still curious face. about the P face. And then the D face. That is, <laughs> oh, uh, the D, oh, so he's got like a P and a D face going. No, yeah. Uh, that's oh, not man, like it... a face with a dick in it. That's, okay. It is, it, is, it is just an, a colon and then a capital D. I think it means like really smiling. I use it a lot on Skype. Colons and P faces. I do use the D face way more than the P face. Rhett loves the D face. I keep trying to get into CRPGs like once every single year, and this time I probably got the closest by playing like a third of Fallout One twice. <laughs> you played a third twice. Yeah, because I got a third into it and was like, "This is." Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then I restarted it and played again another third, like only like meticulously, mm-hmm. and I had a much better time. But then at that point, I'd already played played it so long i was like okay i'm putting this down um i think that's probably the one i'm going to go back to and i want to try again you're gonna play the first third again mm, oh man <laughs> probably not probably just gonna pick up where i left off and that's how and 
Now it's time for a word from our sponsors. Oh, we got sponsors? Yes, this is special category, top four wifeys of the year, sponsored by Red Entertainment. Oh, oh, oh really? All right. Well, I'm all for wifeys. So, Let's hear it. On oh, Twitter. Shit, I, didn't, I didn't do this one. I didn't reply to this one. Yeah. We, oh, my Chelsea God. Chelsea started a so thing where she started asking people who's your favorite wifey. So uh-huh. I decided to actually compile them and here we go. Oh. Top, top four wifeys. Jetstorm4 writes in number four, Elma from Xenoblade X. Number three, Lila from Tales of Zestiria. Number two, Casty from Arno Surge. Number one, Irie Ban from Shin Megami, Tensei, Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor 2 Record Breaker. That that's means, a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Sayar writes in, Nozomi from Love Live. Number three, Hanyo from Love Live. I'm just guessing because he only posted pictures. Mm-hmm. I just think like, they're all from Love Live. Yeah, I'm just like, well, I know they're from Love Live. I think that's those two. It's the tits girl and the rice girl or something. The tits girl and the yeah. rice girl. I think yeah. that's, that's what their names translate to anyway. Yeah. Number two, Tachibana Silford and from Himoto Umaru-chan. Number one, Red from Neptunia. There you go. Chelsea writes in, doing this one backwards. Number one, Kuna from PSO2. Number two, Noir from Neptunia. Number three, Matoi from PSO2. Number four, Excedrin from The Pharmacy. <laughs> and, number, and number five, Queen of Quinn from Final Fantasy IX. Oh, wow. So it finally comes out. Nice. nice. I, knew, I knew she could finally accept her love. Uh, Polly writes in, number four, Turing from Read Only Memories. Number three, Marvelous AQL from Neptunia. I bet her thighs taste like oranges. <laughs> number two, Red from Neptunia, if we're technically all her wifey anyways. Yeah. And number one, IF from Neptunia, because IF is the best nep-nep. Absolutely. Yeah. And then true. this one, I can't read the name, Rite? Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, Rite. Um, Rite. I could never pronounce that fucker's name. Yeah. Uh, number four, Mona from Shovel Knight. Number three, Blanc from Neptunia. Number two, Maki from Love Life. And number one, Kuna from PSO2. So congratulations to Kuna as wifey of the year. I think this thing was rigged. You think so? I think it was rigged. All right, well. I just put one together. Um, number four, <laughs> Leona Hyadern from King of Fighters. Number three, Leona Hyadern from King of Fighters. <laughs> Number two, Leona Hyadern from King of Fighters. And number one, Anna. So Tied with Leona oh, you... Hyadern from King of Fighters. So I think Leona wins because she got three men. Three votes. There <laughs> you go, Leona. Wifey of the year. Shit. Damn. Well, no, no. And congratulations to Hyperdimension Neptunia for most wifey of the yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> Hyperdimension Neptunia is the wifiest series of the year. And probably ever. It's so funny because both times I started playing Hyperdimension Neptunia, I played like five hours and then got really into King of Fighters and then put it down. <laughs> and it. That's so weird. And played this late on a bunch. That's – oh, man. They should make a Neptunia fighting game. Like for real. Like how have they not at this point? They've done every other genre. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, <laughs> there's a fucking dancing game. Ugh. Okay. Not announced for Steam yet. Not announced for Steam. I've heard that thing only takes like an hour and a half to finish too. It doesn't have mu- it doesn't have a lot of material. Uh, so we got one more list to round things out. What do you say? Hit me. This Hit comes this guy. This, this comes in from our good pal Boner. Always, boner. Always a boner. 
It's always it's always a nice uh, cool drink of waiter anytime we can hear from <laughs> anytime we can hear from Boner. Number four uh, on the Sox cast. Number fourth of the Sox cast. Green Ranger. Yes, he is our Green Ranger. He is our Tommy. So his number four is Gianna Sisters 2D. Neat. I like cute and dumb platformers as much as anyone who grew up in the 90s, and that seems to be the genre I played the most of this year. <clears throat> While the DSiWare remake of the copyright embattled Commodore 64 classic shows some jankiness in the transition to HD, it's a solid jump on shit and collect other shit waste of time with some added gimmicks like the soda item uh, that looks like you're doing a PP dance when you're using it. Yeah, that game looked pretty cool. I liked. Uh... I love how cheap this looks. Yeah. Though, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It oh, looks. Uh, I know. The tiling this drives is... me nuts. This is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's it's definitely pretty budgety. No, that has to, that is the only way to get introduced to that series, though, right? That looks uh, perfect. There, there's the new 3D one that's pretty. I've fun. never. Uh, I've never Twisted Dreams. Twisted Dreams is so good. I own that one. That's the one I was thinking of starting yeah. with. But no, I need to. I clearly need to play this one. <laughs> okay. I have the uh, that original DS game that this was built from, so I liked it. I thought it was good enough. Uh, his number three is a, a game that I think we can all get behind: Ninja Pizza Girl, aka Stop Bullying Comics, the game. <clears throat> How does a game that sets out to teach something end up being really solid speedrunners platform uh, in the process? Being a labor of love probably helps. Ninja Pizza Girl is a bit of Sonic's low, mid, high pass with some Ninja Gaiden wall jumping thrown in. And while it's up to you how to, <clears throat> it's up to you how tight or loose you want to play the game. You're rewarded for tackling the stages in a way that avoids conflict with the enemies. Well, not tangibly rewarded. More so rewarded for, with your own smug sense of self-assurance. But you can collect little doodads and unlock new costumes, concept art, interviews with the creators, and why the fuck not game modes. Like, like motivational mode, where the enemies encourage instead of mock you. Or the first person mode that sets the camera's perspective to first person, even though the game still controls like on a 2D plane, <laughs> rendering it virtually unplayable. That sounds, oh, that sounds great. Uh, that game looks really cool shit, though. I have never heard of this game. I'd heard of it long before Me neither. it came out. Um, I knew about it, and then just like I never jumped on it when it came out. So I'll look for that uh, in the upcoming sales. Uh, number two, stroking the old ego here. Hold on, Polly Mario Brothers. Huh. On New I Year's Eve. Uh huh. I played this. Did you? What did you yeah. think? Well, we'll see what you thought and with what he thinks here. Uh, um, on New Year's Eve 2010, I eschewed the festivities and stayed up in effort to beat Super Mario Brothers, a game which I finally managed to beat 25 years after its release. This year, our good friend Polly must have decided that such an achievement was for chumps and used a free Java-based level editor to craft five grueling worlds that I still haven't managed to complete. What, is this some Kaizo Mario knockoff that tries to kill you with every step? Well, no. See, this is actually this is a good games list, but if you want to hand at what makes me weep about Polly Mario Brothers... <clears throat> Cheap cheeps up the ass. <laughs> yeah, not, you never never stick a bird up your ass. Never stick a bird up your And he's not wrong. I went I went pretty bullshitty with uh cheap cheeps in the final couple areas. <laughs> but it's funny. Oh, that original one you made though, before this. That was not that good. fucking lava bridge. That was mean. <laughs> that was mean. Very, very mean. Uh so yeah. I, my game got specifically called out. 
so I'm good. Uh, and his game of the year is a game that I'm I really need to get on and play, and I don't know why I haven't yes. yet. But uh, Odalis: The Dark Call. Finally, I'll round out my list with cute and dumb platformers with a grotesque satanic platformer. Odalis scratches the exploration, the explorative Castlevania itch without losing sight of its down and dirty platforming that uh, characterized the NES incarnations. <clears throat> the result is that it feels somewhere between Castlevania 3 and Rondo of Blood with a little bit more freedom of movement around, mm. around each stage. That's not to say that it doesn't get old school bullshit hard at points. Just wait until you're trying to 100% the game and have to revisit um, the minecart portions. Also, boss battles tend to skew towards the get to them with full power and wail on them and hope they die first paradigm. Still, Odalis is a worthy follow-up to Oniken, which was another great game. Um, And even though it's going to be slightly different, uh, <clears throat> and even though it's going to be slightly different niche than its predecessor, it's a bit more accessible and forgiving. That said, I haven't gotten around to, pl- to trying the recently released veteran mode, so I'm sure I'll be ta- I'll be talking about this sh- talking shit about this game again when that happens. Based I- on their previous stuff, veteran mode is probably fucking impossible. Yeah, like I know that Onikin's uh, it- professional mode yeah. was just like, "Yep, not doing this. Fuck it." It's like literally just like one hit and you're dead. Yeah, it's like mm. one life, one hit. <laughs> it's like this is not possible. What are you thinking, Joy Masher? But I love those guys. I think that their dedication to trying to create games that are very authentic. You know, it's kind of like a local Melito, which who just released a game as well that I need to oh, check wow. out actually. Uh, he just released a new game, so I need to check that out. But yeah, I admire their dedication towards going, tr- you know, towards trying to emulate a very specific time frame of video games and absolutely not, trying to not cheat as much as they can but usually like only when it matters you know it's just like well this would look really bad with just two or three colors so let's you know give it a little more but yeah Onikin, i can i can definitely stand behind that one i interviewed those guys when i was doing uh oh yeah that was, was cool when i was working at boss dungeon and learned a lot about their process and inspirations and just how cool uh of a, an indie gaming community that uh brazil has so yeah, that's cool stuff. So, with that out of the way, we're coming to the end of the first day. Uh, Red, why man, why don't you give us a rundown of your numbers 10 to 6? Okay, number 10, Space Channel 5, Part 2. <laughs> number 9, Yakuza 4. That's a lot of numbers. <laughs> number 8, Stealth Inc. 2, A Game of Clones. Number 7, The Unfinished Swan. Number 6, Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 1. And my number 10 is Hotline Miami 2, wrong number. Number 9 is Downwell. Number 8 is XCOM Enemy Unknown. Number 7 is Read Only Memories. And number 6 is The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth. John, 10 to 6. Oh, Game of Clones. <laughs> oh my. I know, right? <laughs> um, number 10, The Zero Escape Series, 999 and Virtue's Last Reward. Number 9, so many nines. Project N33 and Polyclicker by N3 Games. Number eight, Taito's Rayforce. Number seven, Contra Hardcore for the Sega Genesis. Number six, Castlevania Bloodlines and Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. Fantastic. And that will wrap us up for day one. Tune in tomorrow. We'll have your number five to one choices. Um, See you next time. And remember, the podcast that loves you, we're the only ones that love you.